Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Audit Bikes, episode number 47, where today we're going to be talking about board governance gone wrong. Again, welcome to Audit Bites, the podcast where we help you unleash your audit potential. You can catch up on past episodes like Our Auditors Imposters on your favorite podcasting platforms on LinkedIn, on YouTube, or on our website at auditguy.com. Again, this is episode number 47. So that means you have 46 other episodes to go catch up on. So now, today, let's just dive right into it, friends. Let's just dive right into it. And I have a question for you. Have you ever worked for a company that went through some crazy changes, almost to a point where you thought leadership was lacking? As a matter of fact, it almost felt like the wild, wild west. Well, of course you have. We've all had those moments. We've all had those moments. For example, for example, imagine being a soap and baking powder company in the late 19th century. Then imagine discovering that competition in the soap market was as fierce as trying to wash away those stubborn stains. That's what happened to William Wrigley Jr. So in order to fix that, he decided to offer chewing gum as a free bonus with each purchase of his baking powder. Little did he know, that this small act of generosity would set in motion a remarkable transformation. Customers were so thrilled by his unexpected treat. The gum, the gum was an instant hit capturing the hearts and taste buds of people everywhere. It became clear to William that he had stumbled upon something truly, truly special and recognizing the potential of this chewy delight he decided to make a bold move. He shifted his focus away from soap and baking powder to chewing gum production, and thus Wrigley's was born. Does anyone else remember Wrigley's? Does anyone else remember Wrigley's? Now, Heather has worked in a place where she felt like it was the wild, wild west. Welcome, Heather. Thank you for joining us today. Now, did you all know? that Wrigley's actually started out in the soap and baking powder industry. I didn't know that until I started doing some research, of course, for this episode. You see, in order to bring you guys some of the best information, I have to do a lot of research, which keeps me learning, which is, well, fun for me. But did you know that Wrigley started off making soap? Quite interesting, right? He then introduced new flavors, improved packaging, and then launched a clever marketing campaign that made people everywhere crave refreshing Wrigley's gum. From juicy fruit flavors to minty sensations, Wrigley had a gum for every taste bud. But you know what? The journey didn't end there. The Wrigley company continued to innovate and expand its offerings. It ventured into other confectionery products like mints, candies, and even oral care products. The empire grew, conquering not only taste buds, but also hearts. But in the middle of all of this, imagine those 
workers in the sugar and baking powder factories. They probably thought that the company was being run by some crazy corporate executives with no vision or foresight. But that's not necessarily the case. We've seen a lot of companies strategically pivot into a new strategic direction. We've seen it happen a lot, right? For example, did you know? Did you know? Nintendo started out as a playing card company in the late 19th century. However, as the playing cards, as the playing card market became saturated, Nintendo explored new ventures and eventually ventured into the video game industry. First, they started with arcade games. You guys remember going into an arcade and putting quarters into games just to play them? Or am I just the only old one here? But first they started in arcade games. Then they built the home arcade system, the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. The shift was driven by the company's desire to adapt to changing consumer interest and to capitalize on the growing popularity of video games. Now, Heather said, yeah, she thought it was gum. Yeah, I did too, Heather. I thought Wrigley was just gum. And Mohammed, thank you for joining, my friend. Where are you joining from? Where are you joining from? Okay, but, but it doesn't stop there. Did you know LG began as a chemical company before diversifying into various industries such as plastics, household products, cosmetics, and obviously the later shift was to consumer electronics because now they manufacture a wide range of things from televisions to refrigerators to smartphones, everything under the sun. But also, did you know? Xerox initially focused on producing photographic paper and copy machines. You see, Xerox transitioned into a technology company offering document management solutions, printers and digital services after it was something else. So although these changes may seem like luck, haphazard moves, or just pivots out of the blue, they were pivots with a purpose done to take advantage of opportunities. So now the question that I asked earlier, have you ever worked for a company where you wondered who is in charge of this madness? Who is in charge of this madness? Because sometimes we work for organizations and it seems like they do things that are crazy. But most leaders don't make decisions in a vacuum. There is usually a group of people providing oversight and helping to guide the strategic direction of the organization. Now, this group of people is typically known as a board of directors, could be a board of trustees or just your board. They are very important to the governance structure in an organization. So let's talk about governance. Let's talk about governance. Simply put, cor corporate governance is just a set of rules and practices that guide how a company is run, making sure that it operates fairly, openly, and responsibly. Personally, I like to think of corporate governance similar to orchestra. Now, just hear me out because I know what you're thinking. I get these emails all the time. I didn't know where you were going with this, but after you made the point, it made sense. So I know sometimes I say things that you may think, where is he going with this? But imagine 
a corporate governance framework like a well-organized orchestra. Each member of the orchestra plays a different instrument, but they all work together harmoniously to create beautiful music. Similarly, corporate governance brings together different elements within a company to ensure its smooth functioning and success. So here's what I'm wondering. Have any of you ever played any instruments? Heather, you played any instruments before? Because I'll tell you. So as a kid, I played quite a few instruments. Um, I played the piano. And then that migrated over into playing percussion. So I played the snare drum, the timpani, the um, bass drum, the xylophone, and a few other things. So if you've ever played an instrument, especially in a band, you kind of know what I'm about to say here. So let's break down each of the elements of the corporate governance structure. So you have your board of directors and they can be compared to the conductor of the orchestra. They provide guidance, they set the tempo, and they ensure that every member of the company is working in sync towards a common goal, just like a conductor leads the orchestra. The board of directors leads the company overseeing, though, overseeing the strategy and overseeing its operations. Ah, now, Heather, you played the recorder. Is that like in sixth grade where we had to buy one of those recorders and learn how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb? <laughs> I remember that. That was a fun time. I remember playing the recorder. Do, do, do. Okay. I remember playing the recorder. I remember it well. I remember it well. All right. Bear with me just one moment, my friends. I think I might be having a technical difficulty here. Oh, no, we're good. Okay. So now think of your board of directors as the conductor. Now, your shareholders are like the audience of the orchestra. They invest in the company and expect a return on their investment. But just like the audience expects a captivating performance, shareholders expect the company to perform well. So shareholders provide support, whether that's financial or from a knowledge standpoint, and they have a vested interest in the success of the company. Now, there's the management team. The management team can be seen as the musicians in an orchestra. They are responsible for playing their respective instruments and following the conductor's instructions. Similarly, the management team oversees the day-to-day -day operations, implements the strategies, and ensures that the company is functioning smoothly. Now, you also have those dreaded policies and procedures that everyone hates. But policies and procedures are like the sheet music they, that guides the musicians in an orchestra. They provide a set of rules and guidelines for how tasks should be performed. Similarly, policies and procedures in a corporate governance establish a framework for decision-making, risk management, compliance, and compliance. Sorry about that, and compliance. Now, accountability is a real interesting concept because accountability is similar to each musician taking responsibility for their performance in an orchestra. Now, how many times have we seen our favorite bands break up because two musicians couldn't get along? Each member is accountable for playing their part accurately and contributing to the overall harmony. So in corporate governance, accountability ensures that individuals within the company take ownership of their actions and are answerable 
for their actions, which leads us to risk management. So risk management can be compared to an orchestra's rehearsal process. Before performance, musicians identify potential challenges and practice to mitigate risk and mistakes. Similarly, in corporate governance, risk management involves identifying and addressing potential risks to safeguard the company's assets and interests. So, so by viewing corporate governance through the lens of an orchestra, we can better understand how different components work together to create a successful and harmonious company. So, so now, now, while the board is, con is the conductor, carrying out their duties takes balance. Too much involvement and they've overstepped their boundaries. Too little involvement, you have a lack of accountability. Either way, it almost sets the organization up for failure. Either way, it almost sets the organization up for failure. Now, that brings us to the story that I want to bring to you all today. So now, I want you to close your eyes and imagine this happening in your organization. Okay, don't really close your eyes, especially if you're listening to me in the car. We don't want you to run off the road. And especially if you're at work and not working from home, imagine your boss walking by and seeing your eyes closed. So now. Imagine you are the principal of a school and you had a teacher that did a few things. Let me just lay out six or seven different things. You have a teacher that you had to reprimand after another teacher said that he pushed a student to the floor after a dodgeball game. Now, that teacher said that it was an involuntary physical reaction after the student hit him in the chest when he was expecting a high five from the student. So that's the first thing. Second thing is he allegedly threw shoes at students to get their attention and then cursed at them. Now, after that, the third thing is he was put on a two-year probation for gross negligence of duties, but he didn't challenge the allegations because he said he wanted to keep his job. Now, the next thing is while still on probation, he left the classroom unattended and a fight broke out. One of his students was seriously injured and he was suspended for one week without pay. When he came back to work after the suspension, he asked the principal for now. I want you guys to pay attention to this one because this is where it gets really, really interesting. When he came back after the suspension, he asked the principal for permission to hire a substitute teacher to cover his classes every Wednesday afternoon in January and February so that he could lead workshops for a private dance company where he was also the dance director. Let me say that one more time. He asked the principal to hire a substitute teacher for Wednesday afternoons in January and February so that he could lead workshops for private for a private dance company where he was also the dance instructor. Yeah, Heather says he is not a good teacher. Heather, I am right there with you. I, that doesn't sound like a good teacher to me either. 
does not sound like a good teacher to me either. So uh, let me ask you all, would you hire a substitute teacher for a teacher to go and work a second job? Would you, is that something that you would do in, in, in your organization? Is that something that you would do to support your employees? I'm just curious if that's something that's normal. Is that something that we would do in the normal course of business? I know my answer to that, but I'm just really curious. Is that something that's normal? And is that something that you would do for your workers in order to support them in outside endeavors? Now, the principal, the principal turned him down for a few reasons. The principal turned him down, citing, well, first of all, they were under a union contract that expressly prohibited educators from working a second job during school hours. She also said that she couldn't justify the cost of a substitute teacher for this particular purpose. And that actually makes sense to me to say, no, it's not acceptable. Uh, Heather said in, in her company, it might work, but not as a school teacher. You'd have to use PTO days. Yeah, that, that just kind of makes sense. You'd have to use PTO days. So let me tell you what happened. He performed the second job anyway. He called in sick during the winter, and it was always on Wednesday afternoons. Then in March... He decided to fly to North Carolina and serve as a paid judge at a dance competition during school hours after his principal denied his request for unpaid leave. So at this point, I'm assuming he had used up all of his paid leave. Especially if he was calling in sick January and February. So I said, imagine if this had happened to you. But this is exactly what happened in Portland, Portland, Oregon. The principal fired the teacher. However, however, board stepped in and said, nope, you cannot fire him. The board stepped in and said, you cannot fire him. So the question that I have for you all listening Is the board overstepping in this situation? Is the board overstepping in this situation? And you know what I'm going to do? Right about now, I'm going to pause for one moment, give you time to answer that if you want to. But you know what I forgot to do today is I forgot to set up the giveaway. So let me do that really quickly. And those of you who are regulars already know what to do in order to win that giveaway. But I'll be telling everyone else in just a moment. So when you come to this podcast, we like to give away things because, well, we just like our audience. And 
The prize is actually a copy of my book, Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits. And in order to be put in the drawing, type the hashtag that audit guy into the chat. The hashtag that audit guy. Type it into the chat and you will be entered into the drawing. No spaces. Hashtag that audit guy. As a matter of fact, I just dropped it in the LinkedIn chat for you all. If you just want to simply copy and paste, if you want to copy and paste it. So now Shri asks, so if I'm listening to the podcast, I can win only if you are listening live, only if you are here with us live today. Oh, boss, my man, I did not know you were here. You have been quiet this entire time. Good to see you, man. Hey, we, I got your message. We do need to do another show together at some point in the future. So let's make that happen, my friend. Let's make that happen. Shri is here. Shri says that audit guy in the chat. Yes. Okay, so now back to my question. In this situation, when a teacher had documented instances that he was, well, breaking some rules, when his principal fired him, the board stepped in and said, no, you cannot fire him. So my question to you all is, is the board overstepping in this situation? So for those of you who have been listening, you've heard the stories about Wrigley chewing gum and Xerox, and you probably wondered, well, what in the world does this have to do with corporate governance? Now we're in the meat and potatoes of it. So here we are, where the board has told a principal that he cannot fire a teacher who has documented cases of not just bending, but breaking the rules. Wendy, good to see you here. Good to see you. So what do you all think? Is the board overstepping? It's is the board overstepping in this situation. Is the board overstepping in this situation? Now, there's that book that I told you you will win if your name is drawn. And we'll do that drawing at the end. Now, principals in this school district began to weigh in, citing their inability to run their schools. One board member who wanted to uphold the firing said uh, he saw it as an open and shut case. Like in his view, the teacher misled his boss and violated union approved contracts. Not to mention he had gotten paid twice for the same hours at one point. So this same board member also said, and I quote, the board has some repair work to do with principals so they will know that we support them in the tough decisions they need to make while they run their schools. Now, remember what I said earlier, if the board is too involved, that can be detrimental. And if they're not involved enough, that can be detrimental. This one board member also acknowledged the precedent setting nature of that decision. He said, and I quote, we have, we have limited our ability as a board to terminate future teachers who engage in similar behaviors. Now, another board member believed that, that, that the firing was targeted towards this one teacher. And that board member said, the district had been documenting him for eight years 
They've been waiting for him to mess up. Now, I can't imagine a board being a part of uh, a non-executive hiring and firing decision, but apparently this might be normal in some places. So if anyone else is as shocked as I am, under Oregon state law, school board members have to sign off on a superintendent's plan to fire a certified educator. So anytime a certified educator needs to be fired, the board has to actually sign off on it. Aha, I am right there with you, Abbas. Abbas says, well, to answer your question, it's more of a senior management role. However, if this case is affecting the organization as a whole, I think the board should step in. Yeah, this was just a teacher in a school district who seemingly was behaving badly. And I think with almost any job, you'll have at least one or two employees who are behaving badly. And I think the management team needs the authority to actually fire whenever it's necessary. And so what, what is the board supposed to do in an organization? I think it's more like Goldilocks, right? They provide oversight, but they don't step in too much, but they step in just enough to provide decent oversight. But if we look at a definition for a board, a board of directors is an appointed group of individuals with a duty to represent the interests of shareholders and stakeholders. They help the organization stay on track with its goals and make sure it's doing what it's supposed to do. Now, they also choose and oversee the person in charge of running the organization, the CEO, the executive. They also make sure that that chief executive officer is doing a good job. So that is the responsibility of the board. So I don't know how they got so deep into actually making a decision on hiring and firing. But, but with that said, with that said, let's talk about six reasons board governance goes bad. Six reasons board governance goes bad. All right. Reason number one, poor leadership. When the board lacks strong leadership who have a clear vision and a strategic direction for the organization, it becomes difficult to make sound decisions that align with long-term goals. But this is actually not a new issue. We seem to be tackling the same issues over and over again. In a 2003 article in the Harvard Business Review titled The Board's Missing Link, they talked about the balance of power when it came to a board. And it says, and I quote, the corporate balance of power is a delicate one. It relies on three critical anchors, shareholders, management, and the board of directors. Each of these has important responsibilities of its own, but their interactions are the key to effective governance. When they work together as a system, 
They provide a powerful set of checks and balances. But when pieces of the system are missing or not functioning well, the system as a whole can become dangerously unbalanced. Now imagine this is an article from 2003. That was a long time ago. But, but, let's take Boeing, for example. In February of 2021, Boeing shareholders filed a lawsuit against the board of directors. They argued that the board had neglected its oversight duty by failing to hold Boeing accountable for safety before and after the crash of two 737 MAX airplanes that killed 346 people in 2018 and 2019. The shareholders suing Boeing argue that the board could have prevented it. A part of the argument is that Boeing did not have enough safety and engineering experts on its board, but was heavily but was heavy on former government officials. For example, four of the Boeing board members named in the suit were former government officials in positions unrelated to the aviation industry. One was a former ambassador to the U.N. and a former White House chief of staff. Now, also, there was no mechanism for receiving alerts from whistleblowers. And the shareholders are saying that this was counter to industry standards and should have been something that the board would have known to implement. Now, let's go back to our audience because Abbas has a really good comment. Board oversight. They should allow senior management to practice their authority. Otherwise, there will be overlapping and disputes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And as that as that uh, Harvard Business Review article said, it's a delicate balance. It's a delicate balance. It is an extremely delicate balance. So the first reason governance goes bad is poor leadership. But the second reason is inadequate risk management. The failure to identify potential risk or to address them proactively leaves organizations vulnerable. Boards need a robust risk management strategy in place. Let's think about Blockbuster and Netflix. You all know that's one of my favorite subjects. We all know who Netflix is, but there are probably some people now who Never even heard of Blockbuster, but Blockbuster was a company that sold rented VHS cassette tapes and then DVDs. Netflix approached Blockbuster and said, why don't you buy us out? Because the world is going digital. Blockbuster's management team didn't do an adequate risk assessment or adequate risk management. And so now Blockbuster is no longer around. I do believe there is one Blockbuster left in the United States. I heard that it may have closed during COVID. Now, I recently left a conference where some individuals had just left um, the National Association of Corporate Directors. And apparently boards are now also thinking about geopolitical risk and inflation risk. So these make sense. In order to manage the risk of your organization, you have to be on top of things that are happening right now. 
the board must stay abreast of what is happening economically, socially, and financially. Otherwise, board governance will and can go bad. Now, the third reason board governance goes bad is the lack of accountability. If you remember what I said in the example about the board being like an orchestra earlier, each person playing an instrument or playing a role in an organization is accountable to the other person to do their job so that the orchestra, i.e. the board, can actually play well. So without proper checks and balances within the governance structure, boards may become complacent or fail to hold themselves accountable for their actions or or lack thereof having action. So let's go back to Boeing again. The Boeing board had five committees, audit, finance, compensation, special programs, and then governance, organization, and nominating. All one board. The audit committee oversaw risk, but in its charter, it mainly focused on financial risk. And it had no mandate to discuss safety. As a matter of fact, Boeing didn't establish a board committee to address safety until April of 2019, which was six months after the first plane crashed and about a month before the second plane crashed. So instead, safety issues were reviewed by a safety review board run by employees, which did not report to the board at all. So the board couldn't properly manage the risk in the organization if they were completely unaware of what those risks were. So three of our six reasons board governance goes bad is poor leadership, inadequate risk management, lack of accountability. So let's talk about that fourth reason. It's a misunderstanding of expectations. A misunderstanding of expectations. Misunderstanding expectations can have a detrimental effect on board oversight. It can lead to a lack of clarity, miscommunication, unrealistic expectations, divergent priorities, and a lack of accountability. These issues can result in confusion, inefficiencies, inconsistent decision-making, and it can compromise the ability to effectively oversee the organization. So it's important to have clear expectations of what the roles and responsibilities are of the board, of the management team, and of the employees within the organization. Which now leads us to our fifth reason board governance goes bad, and that's having cowardly coworkers. Oftentimes people stay silent out of fear but we need to learn how to respectfully communicate our concerns. If we go back to Boeing, they had no whistleblower hotline. However, several employees knew what was happening. Boeing has gone to court already for these plane crashes. And when you look at the evidence, emails, text messages, there were a lot of individuals in the organization who knew that these planes were faulty. As a matter of fact, one individual, almost in a laughing-like manner, um, said that they were tricking 
the Transportation Authority. Cowardly co-workers is one reason that board governance goes bad. Now, let's get to our sixth reason, and that's having the wrong relationships. You see, oftentimes in organizations, we can have a management team that is entirely too close to the board of directors. Now, this is extremely prevalent in nonprofits. And when they get too close, sometimes they lose sight of their oversight responsibilities. Now, the converse to that is you could have a board that is not close enough to the management team. And in that case, they don't have the communication or the information that they need to appropriately do their duties as a board. But poor board governance has severe and stiff consequences for organizations. Many organizations have not been able to pivot quickly enough in order to stay in business, like Blockbuster. Some organizations, the lack of governance has led to the loss of life, hence the case with Boeing. And for all the cases that we are aware of, there are so many other cases where we don't even know what has happened. So the six reasons board governance goes bad. Now, obviously, there are a lot more reasons than this. But hey, this is a 45-minute show. We can't cover them all. But six reasons board governance go bad. Poor leadership. Inadequate management. Lack of accountability, misunderstanding the expectations, cowardly coworkers who don't speak up when something is wrong, and having the wrong type of relationship with the management team in the organization. Now, now, my friends, this is episode 47 of Audit Bites. If you would like to have your name entered into a drawing to win my book, Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits, drop the hashtag, that audit guy, into the chat. And while you all are doing that, give me one moment to actually set up the giveaway so that we can have the drawing. You know, we're auditors here, so the drawing has to be independently done where I have absolutely no control over what's happening and who the winner is. So bear with me for one moment while we set up that drawing. Now, there's one other thing that I want to ask you all while I have you here. My man Philip is here. Philip, good to see you, man. And Roxanne, you want to do hashtag that audit guy, no spaces, and you want to do it like my man Philip did here. You want to do it like my man Philip did here. So there you go, Roxanne. You see, we do it live here. This is interactive. Where else are you going to get audit discussions in a live and interactive environment? Now, speaking of that, I have something else I want to ask you all about have something else that I want to ask you all about. 
I'm curious if you're interested in joining a WhatsApp community with, well, little old me, where we discuss audit issues regularly. If you are, there's a barcode over here, over there, yeah, right, right there, yeah, oh, there we go. There's a barcode right there. Click that barcode and you'll be taken to the Telegram, I mean, I'm sorry, the WhatsApp community. <laughs> yeah, Philip says copy and paste works wonders. Yeah, man, I drop it in there for people because I don't want anybody to miss out and then say, well, that's not fair. My name didn't get put into the drawing. My name didn't get put into the drawing. Okay, 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 okay. So now, now, if you want to join the Telegram community, I'm sorry, WhatsApp community. Sorry, I keep saying Telegram. The WhatsApp community, a boss, I know you're going to join. You should be the first person I see over there. There's the QR code. Scan that and you will be taken to the community. You will be taken to the community. Okay. So now, without further ado, in other words, I'm going to shut my mouth. We're going to make the drawing happen. <laughs> okay, now we know I can't win, so we got to do the drawing all over again. Here we go. Let's draw again. Heather Perry, Heather. Isn't this like your second or third time winning something? You are just lucky. You should probably go play the lottery. Definitely joining a boss, man. Look, I'll be glad to see you in there, man. Oh, and you also have a feeling that you're winning, but Heather, <laughs> Heather won today I, I look, after I won for some strange reason. Yeah, Phil, man, you know, we, we do it live, man. So we, we, we redrew it. Heather... You might already have a copy of the book, Heather. So um, let me know. Let me know, Heather. We'll talk offline. There's no need in having everyone else listen in on our personal private conversation. Yeah, only the second time you've won. But I, I'm, how many of you all have never won anything in your life? Heather, you need to go and play the Florida lottery today. You need to go and play the <laughs> you need to go and play the Florida lottery today, my friend. Today. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. Okay, so. So my good friends and family. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Well, that didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. What I was going to say is, thank you for joining me on episode number 47 of Audit Bites. If you like this podcast, tell all your friends. We're available on all of your podcasting platforms. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Tune in. Spread the word to your friends. And if you need a kick butt audit trainer, you're looking at him, especially if you like the way this presentation went. This is kind of my style. 
We weave in stories, audio, video, articles, etc. That auditguy.com is my website. Until next time, thank you all for joining me.